Welcome to TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. The presenting sponsor of TalkScript is SitePen, a JavaScript consultancy helping companies improve their apps, tools, and teams. Check it out at sitepen.com. Let's find out if TalkScript is your type of podcast. Hello, and welcome to the TalkScript podcast. I am your host, Brian Forbes. I have with me today, Paul Shannon. Howdy. And Neil Roberts. I'm just happy to be here. We're oh, me happy. too, Neil. We're happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks. All right. I don't care if I do a good job or not. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of quality we expect here at SitePen. All right. We've got a full agenda today. So agenda? What is this? A stand-up? Um, it says agenda on our agenda. It does say agenda. I just noticed that. Carrie, I do look at this. I promise. So let's get right in. Uh, we've got some community updates the biggest one is there was a notification that went out about Jest migrating to TypeScript. So there's an RFC going out. Jest is a testing tool. I believe Facebook. Yes, Facebook is the proprietors of it. And so they've decided or um, requesting comment RFC. Yeah, they've had an RFC out for a, a little bit now. And I think that they finally decided to accept the RFC, which means that they're going to move over from, I think they're running on Flow, which is also a a Facebooky thing. They're going to switch from Flow to TypeScript, which is incredible. Like it's, it's nice to have like native compiled types associated with your code. And, you know, TypeScript has been getting better and better. I feel in a lot of ways that, especially in usability, and user experience that TypeScript has moved away from from Flow. And it's at a place now where it makes a lot of sense to a, a, adopt TypeScript overflow. Overflow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so the RFC was accepted yesterday. Not sure when this is going out, but, you know, that was January 15th. So that's cool. Excited to see that. That's the big kind of community update. There was also... A few weeks ago, a 2019 TypeScript roadmap, if we haven't mentioned it before, we're mentioning it now, that was put out by Daniel from the TypeScript team. Our agenda for today is to go over that, look at the goals, kind of talk about what looks exciting, maybe talk about what we'd like to see. So this is, is this the first time that they've put out like a six-month prospectus on what they're doing like i i don't i don't know if i've seen something like this before other than like oh we're moving from you know version one to version two version two to version three like they and this is the general theme that we seem to be approaching it as i think this is the the first time that they've put it into a, a typescript issue for comment i think they've tried in the past on their wiki to kind of keep a six month idea of what's coming up, but not in this sort of detail with reasonings and extra details and thoughts within the TypeScript team. So th I think you're right that this is the first time that something of this detail has come out. If it's not, then we're wrong. <laughs> but Just uh, tweet it, Brian. Tweet it, Brian, it? if we're wrong. Yeah, if we're wrong, I will tweet it out. I will not eat my hat, though. That doesn't sound delicious. 
So there's uh, kind of like five high level goals that Daniel put into this. And uh, I'll just read them out. Uh, he wants to see, or they want to see types on every desk in every home for every JavaScript developer, productivity through strong tooling, approachability and user experience, community engagement, and infrastructure and engineering systems. So the document is, or the issue is broken into five sections based on those language design, innovation, developer productivity, tools and integration, education and user experience, community investment, and internal engineering. We're going to dive into some of the things that are in here. We did yesterday do a poll of our developers here at SitePen about what, what things in this document are they the most excited about. The top two things that our developers at SitePen are excited about are improving the developer experience with declaration files, which kind of falls under, I believe, the productivity section. Again, I could be wrong on that. As we dive into this, we'll, we'll get into that. And then the, the other one is clearer error messages from complicated situations. So again, it's it's around the, the developer experience. Obviously, our developers want a better developer experience, which makes sense. The other top, it's just underneath. So we had six votes for those two. And then we had five votes for ESLint integration and contributing back to ESLint. And that one's, yeah, that one's big. Yeah. That's in the first bullet point as well. Yeah, that's in the that's in the first bullet point. the The other, the next highest one with three votes from all of our Vim users, is exposing APIs on the command line that are currently only available to IDEs. I think I think Vim gets to use those already. Uh, through the language services, I think. Yeah, they have to to wrap JavaScript or something fancy. I don't know. I think I think having a, a well exposed API is decent that if you have a well-exposed API, your your computer should be able to use that, even if you have to write a wrapper around it. I mean, we'll get to it in a second, but in this case, we're talking about not just language services, but being able to use the language services to perform tasks that you would through the command line, like formatting mm-hmm. your document and stuff like that. Yep, and error checking, those sorts of things as well, rather than having to run a full compile. Well, let's dive into this document. Yeah, this... The, the goals seem pretty interesting. What we kind of left out, and, and we might save it for a later issue, or, or me, I don't know, maybe we'll dive into it today, but we did leave out that they they have talked about that, hey, they're on you know the TC39 committees as advisors and, and whatnot. They plan to continue implementing the, the TC39 proposals that are upcoming. Mm-hmm. And some of those happen to be like decorators and public and private methods on classes, which kind of clash currently with the the current implementations in, in TypeScript, but were necessary for, for TypeScript at the time to actually go and get uptake, really. Because I don't know, who, I, I've gotten so used to writing, you know, public and private protected members and things like that on classes that if I, going back to JavaScript, it feels weird not having that ability. Anyway, so- Wait, you guys, I, write, I figured, jo- you guys write JavaScript? I mean, when you have to debug something or you yeah, have to yeah, like, no, you know, if you don't want to set up a whole system. Yeah. Right, know. right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we can, 
we can do probably a future episode on on the class fields and what we do and don't like about those. I'm excited about the the decorators coming up to speed with the with the, the proposal. Uh, I think that's long overdue. Well, what's changed with that? Uh, I believe that the call signature of decorator functions has changed. It has. There's like um an API almost that's injected that allows you to modify the unit being decorated, whatever it happens to be, instead of just the free-for-all that it used to be there before, there's now this like this API that, that allows you to do that. It feels reminiscent of traps and, and things like that for proxies, in which case you can be alerted like, oh, you, you're overriding this thing twice, so you're going to have like this situation that's not going to feel very good to you as a developer and I don't know, it just surfaces more warnings rather than the free-for-all the decorators have been. It's mostly compatible from what I've seen, but that's something we can dive way deep into in, in like a separate episode because I I have lots of complaints there. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a old man on the porch episode where we, we all shake our fists. <laughs> yeah. In my day, there was no imports. There was just a, a with command or whatever. That's right. That That's brought right. everything into my current scope. I am excited about the pipeline operator. I'm the opposite of excited about that. <laughs> well, then we won't talk about that either today. <laughs> it adds unnecessary complexity, I think, oh, in a way right. that the committee has been avoiding. But now they're like, ooh, shiny pipeline operators. All right. Well, we can have a we can have one of those episodes later. Let's talk about what we're excited about in this. You know what I hear is a beautiful language, Brian. What's What's I hear I hear Perl and regular expressions are beautiful (laughs) in their simplicity. (laughs) Someday, if we keep going down that route, JavaScript will be there too. Right. It'll be so beautiful. I mean, three people will be able to write it well, but it'll be very right. Right. Well, you know, or or it'll look like Ruby. Oof. I'm gonna get hit. Yeah, bring for that. bring Nita in for that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first section, we're gonna punt a little bit on these uh, TC39 issues and probably come back to them at a later date. Talking about developer productivity tools and integration, they want to make editors things that kind of interact with the the editor that you write in, right? They want to make those tools better, more proactive. They want to, the big one I see is they want to contribute back to ESLint. Yeah. Well, just let's back up for a second. Yeah, sure. Now, Brian says editor because he uses Vim, which is um, hey, but an the, IDE, not an IDE. The title is editor productivity. So right. I Fair do enough. say it because I'm a Vim user, but I'm just using the language that's in the... <laughs> That's in the document. Okay, fair enough. But it, it's probably worth our listeners say to, to just mention, yeah, Brian uses Vim. I use IntelliJ for the most part with a little VS Code. Neil, you're using VS Code, right? It's Web, WebStorm. WebStorm? Okay. But yeah, VS Code, WebStorm. Whatever the tools are that integrates TypeScript the fastest is what I tend to use. Yeah, and Brian, to, to, to Brian's credit, I've seen his Vim and it looks like WebStorm. <laughs> so you saved that hundred bucks or whatever. That's right. That's right. You use Vim and you make it look exactly like an IDE, but it's all just done through text characters. That's right. Rather than a real UI. 
I don't have to move my hand off the keyboard. So you guys just... I don't know. Here's a, here's a pro tip uh, for everyone is that you can set up keyboard shortcuts in your IDE. What? Even if it's I've not heard Vim. of this. Yeah, you can even That's do weird. Vim shortcuts in your IDE. Yeah. I have to use VS Code for a customer project, and uh, I installed the Vim extension. It's still not the same, but it's close enough to... Yeah, IntelliJ is Miles, uh, you know, WebStorm and them, like anything by JetBrains is, is kind of miles ahead of the, on the keyboard side of things. Like you're able to customize practically everything. It's amazing what you can do with paid software. Yeah, well, VS Code, on the other hand, is is very nice as far as types go. And that's why I use it. If I'm like, I need to know what a type is, like the hover over types in VS Code is just spot on. Way better than WebStorm. And that should get even better with the updates they're making. It, yeah, it does look like that. So what the, one of the things they want to do is they want to do these proactive quick quick fixes, suggestions. They want to make it easier to work with declaration files. So generate missing DTS files for JavaScript projects that don't have types packages. And also be able to fork types packages, I would imagine, on the fly, depending on how it matches the JavaScript. I voted for that one. As far as like our, our list goes, I, I don't know. Are we going to go through the whole list first and then or are we going to? I mean, I think it'd be good. I'd like to. You want to go in order? <laughs> yeah. I think linting is really uh, kind of a cool bit of what they're doing with, or at least what their plan is for this, which is basically get rid of any linting style that they've done already in TypeScript and move it all or integrate it with ESLint and actually contribute to the project. Yep. I I would imagine what they're going to do is they'll they'll integrate ESLint into the language services. Yep, into suggestions and everything. Yep, they want to bring it up to parity with TSLint. I imagine that they'll collaborate with the TSLint project. If not, I yeah. They basically said that they're going to be leveraging it for all their services and for scenarios that ESLint doesn't cover, they're going to be adding code, probably stuff they've done within their TSLint system and porting it over to ESLint. Yeah, this this makes a lot of sense because, I mean, at, as you can kind of look at their their goals for the next six months, like they're, it's not just all TypeScript. I mean, they want to have types on every desk is what they're saying, but it's for every JS developer. They're not talking about every TS developer. And, and as they've kind of released more and more stuff recently, they've started to roll out like type systems on JavaScript and in more cases, you know, having a more of a, a look into what JavaScript is doing. And so having it embedded in ESLint makes a lot of sense. Like people are going to be in mixed environments more when you don't have that kind of introspection and you have a mixed environment, it's hard to pick TSLint. So it's certainly good, especially, you know, some projects are going to just generate JavaScript code based on, you know, some DSL somewhere or something. Right. Well, even like an Angular project, right, that's mostly TypeScript. You still have Karma configuration files. You still have Protractor configuration files. You're still in a mixed environment, and those are JavaScript. And so having to not have two linters and two linting configurations would be excellent. Yeah, I use TS Node to run a lot of TypeScript stuff without compiling it, just to have it in TypeScript. But if I had type checking and linting and, and everything that was easier to access, I would probably just do that. 
because types are what's important to me, not the the TS uh, and, and type checking, not the TS necessarily on the end of it. Yeah. So that I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be really nice to have that ESLint integration. Less tools, fewer tools. Sorry. Yeah. Less less fewer tools. Right. Less, less fewer. fewer Wait, what? <laughs> the next section is basically that they're going to be improving kind of more complicated composite projects, which is, I mean, it's good. <laughs> I don't know if there's too much to talk about it. Yeah. And they've already, they've already touched on some of this with the, with the TSC build, right? Where you can take two projects and not have to compile one and then compile another. You can build them at the same time. So it looks like they're going to make that even better. Also, as always, they're going to address performance issues and looks like they're going to do some automated testing for TS server. So we don't have breakages in that from version to version. Yeah, that's the big thing is basically like when you update one file, the work that it has to do is not a complete rebuild of everything from scratch. Like that's what they're working towards. So is it just that or are they, are they doing more with declaration files? Because I, I don't know how many times I've I ended up with a declaration file that didn't match my version of TypeScript. And I don't know, maybe maybe I, there's a way to do this, but it would be nice if there was a good way to exclude the types from that file. Or maybe even have TypeScript, since it knows JavaScript, look through the compiled JavaScript code and compare the types to to the types that have been written. You know, my when I'm on definitely typed pulling something down and I'm using some JavaScript code, it might be nice to know like, hey, this JavaScript code doesn't really match these types in a way that we are expecting. Like, yeah, oh, there's I, this. I think there's going to be a little bit of that when we get to the section on what they're doing with types. I think there's some stuff along those lines. Okay. Well, I mean, we can jump into that. We kind of touched on it before. Uh, with oh, the, yeah, their goals? Yeah, yeah the, 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 editor pro- the editor productivity, generating miss, missing DTS files. Well, there's it's some of that, but it's not just the missing DTS files. I want to know, like, if I pull something from definitely type, that it it matches the API that's expected. Like if I have a function that's, you know, compiled and there's a rogue return statement in there that returns an undefined because it, it hits some corner case, but the DTS files that have been generated say it always returns string, like having information about my distributed DTS file and my my module or my package that I've installed and having no ability that like, hey, this there are corner cases that this thing is lying to you and, and it doesn't have to compile every time, but having a, a check option or, or something like that. So we have a section in there that says um, that they're looking around adding declarations when they don't exist and also fixing erroneous declaration files. Which, uh, is, so they're looking, which is forking the types packages, right? Yeah, providing a system for that. I mean, that's kind of what Paul was talking about. They want to, like they said, they want to investigate whether there's a good workflow they can provide to, to, to detect fix and probably submit changes to the uh, problematic declaration files. They're looking at like, yeah, being able to migrate TypeScript and types JavaScript. Yeah. And they've, they've added something in what 3.0 or 3.1 that allows you to mark your TypeScript version with the types. So like you can have multiple versions, multiple types. So if you, you know, have 3.2, you can now have a 3.2 and a 3.1 release that are essentially side by side. And then you can select which one to use. So, I mean, I, again, if you're, if you're using modern TypeScript, like three plus, 
there's a solution for that, that now you can, you know, now they can automate their type checkers against their definitely typed repo and then make fixes in later versions that uh, might have these solutions and, and automate that. So I, like that's, that's really where, because types are frustrating when they're broken and it's, it's even harder when you're using modern, you know, modern strict typings and things like that, but your types that bring come in from your type repo don't. So you have to basically exclude all of your already compiled types. And that's kind of the easiest way to do that. The other thing was, I wonder if they're going to come up with a way to match the version of the library that you're using with the types. So the type, the version of the typings doesn't actually have to coincide with the version of the library you're using. So if you have Lodash 4, I'm not sure how the types for Lodash work, but theoretically you could pull down Lodash or at type slash Lodash version 3 and that could be for actual Lodash version, version 4, right? It would be nice if there was some way to map them and have NPM or I, I guess not NPM, but some, some sort of tooling to grab the correct version of those types packages. Yeah, it sounds like they want to work on something like that too. Yeah, that would be that'd be really nice. Yeah, definitely type doesn't even require you to write real code against the the actual library. Like when you submit something to definitely type, it's just like, okay, use your types. And so you end up kind of fabricating, you know, usage. But it there's no tests that actually run against it. The test is just does it compile using, you know, TSC. Yeah, and it looks like down in the community investment section they talk about definitely typed and they're looking at improving the infrastructure so there's a there's like a dts lint and a dt merge bot and a types publisher right so i don't know if maybe dts lint they'll make it so it checks against the actual javascript if you're listening typescript team that would be really nice. Yeah, and it's probably worth mentioning that this is this is a really ambitious set of goals because the TypeScript team is not a huge team. I forget how many developers are on it, but it it's certainly you know they certainly fit in a photograph. <laughs> like it's not a big team. I think it's I think it's uh, maybe a couple dozen, if that. They take care of definitely typed. They re- review essentially PRs that come in definitely typed that people uh, fail to review. Which by the way, thanks because I've. I've missed a few of those on my own repos, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they really keep things going and they're not a big team. And so seeing all of this is, is very ambitious. Yeah. On to the next on our list was exposing APIs on the command line. So they have a, they have a couple examples here. So they were talking about how, you know, when you're working in your IDE, they have a couple examples of doing things like organizing imports or, you know, format a file that are things that the language service does. So the API can tell the language service, I want you to organize the imports in this file, and the language service will organize those imports. But those weren't exposed through any of their tooling on the command line, only through language services. If you wanted to have like a pre-commit hook that organized the imports in a file, that couldn't currently couldn't be done. It was only could only be done through language services. So they're looking at taking a lot of the things that they're able to do with their language services and exposing those as specific commands so that you can do you can do a lot of interesting things without having to go through an IDE. That'll be nice. Yeah. I can kind of see that for some things. Like, 
I don't know, like CI, it might be useful to organize imports. I mean, we use, was it Husky with Prettier to prettify things before, you know, before we commit. So having an organized import step on that, on top of that, that could be nice. I can't wait until I have a 10 minute commit script, just like I have 10, you know, just like you have those terrible long tests or something like that. Just, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to commit. And it's like, okay, running this. I'm I'm going to go run and get some coffee while this this is going. Yeah. Now I'm going to run functional tests before I commit. It's like, no. (laughs) Right. The gist of what I get from the explanation that they have here is that they basically know so much about your code. Right, they know they know a ton about what you're doing and what your project is as a whole, and they're basically saying like, maybe we could do something that would be very helpful to projects that we haven't considered yet. Like, what what capabilities do we have that we haven't really looked at that someone might want as part of their continuous integration workflow? I think that's really interesting because it's hard. Their right now their language services is can do such crazy things that it's hard to know, like, it's hard for us to guess what they could use them for, right? Like, I was looking at some of the upcoming stuff, and they have one where you can take positional arguments and convert it into name or named arguments, right? So, you, you know, you can imagine a command line script that could, you, you can do that for an entire project, right? Like, you decide, hey, we've been using positional arguments, and it's, everything's grown to where we have 10 positional arguments, Let's look and see if we can convert the entire project all at once. And, and you can do that with a command line tool, right? So like whenever we have an array and we reference item zero in the array of this array type, this typed array, or well, not typed array. No, it would be, it, I mean like argument zero, right? So it would be like argument zero, right? Is a string, argument two is a number. And they have a service that'll actually take those and turn it into an object where they're all named, the things they were named with the types that they had in the arguments. So it's not something they have now, but it's something that they're looking at. So I mean, I could see, I could see also the the code refactoring where you can rename a class, and then it just does it throughout the, the code base. That'd be really nice. Yeah, there's some neat stuff that they, because they know so much about our code, there's some stuff that they could do that uh, we haven't really considered yet. And the fact that they're exploring that is is interesting to me. Oh yeah, totally. All right, we have on our poll. They're looking at writing a new handbook. And splitting things up a little better by the reasons you would use TypeScript. So essentially, they're looking at the handbook and and saying, all right, a developer coming to this, how would they want this organized? Yeah, my favorite example to give is that, like, they talk about union types where they don't discuss them at all during any of the documentation until they get to the advanced type section. And you're like, no, that's kind of, that's more... That's more like a standard part of the language than kind of being pushed off to the side. And, you know, this is just the fact that they've done so much over time is the only reason that this is happening, right? It's just they wrote it one way and it's kind of grown. Right. And then they just kind of add stuff to it. Yeah. Yeah. Union types probably was a new like thing. Oh, when when it it came came out, out. when it came out, it was nobody. Well, you couldn't use them. So nobody was using them. And yeah, it was pretty advanced when it came out, like one one dot eight. Yeah, and I think there's back in my day. Back in my, yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's definitely some advanced things around union types. Like, oh, if you have like generics, or if you have like you know, how do types combine, and and when you get into like type combinations with intersection union, that could be more of an advanced ish thing. But for the most part, the union type itself is is, is a standard 
fair for for TypeScript developers now. Right. And I believe, well, I believe things like read only and pick and those sorts of things. Well, maybe pick not so much, but um, read only, partial, those sorts of things. Those are in the advanced type section, which they're really kind of, like you were saying, standard fair anymore, especially partial. I think the cool thing they're doing with the textbook as well is they're saying like, you know, they acknowledge that TypeScript's perceived as an object-oriented language, but like it's not, like not at its core. Like classes are just a, a part of TypeScript, but it's just a type system. So one of the things they want to do is they want to appeal to people that are using functional TypeScript, right? Oh, Neil, now you sound like a React developer. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's serving these different communities. I, I do think someone, someone that is trying to learn TypeScript for React is going to be met with kind of some very confusing first steps about what the language is. Like, to them, the language isn't these things. So, you know, I think they've, what they, they split, is they're trying to split intros out by programming backgrounds, like statically typed object-oriented programmers, people coming from JavaScript, Python, or Ruby, people doing statically typed functional programming. I think that should be really cool and should really help push TypeScript forward because it does have kind of this weird interpretation that you have to use classes in order to use TypeScript, which is just, is not true at all. <laughs> so I think it should be, it should be cool. Like if you're trying to get someone with a certain background to use TypeScript, you can now send them the intro that's going to be best for them. Huh. Now that you mentioned all those backgrounds, I, I kind of want TypeScript to add like a, a side effect free tag to functions that'll identify if it, any side effects happen. So you can have a really, yeah, pure functions. Yeah, yeah. We've, I think we, we might have talked about it in a previous episode, but like, yeah, just something that doesn't let you do anything outside of <laughs> the function would be really, really interesting. I wonder if that's in the roadmap. We'll have to check later. TypeScript could probably know, have no ability on that pretty easily. It's like, oh, that, that's outside of this function. You're gonna, oh, you're using a closure there? Nope. Side effecty. You're, you're manipulating a fast object. It could be a lot of fun. Okay, sorry, I, I digress. I, I've gotten this way off topic. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's I think it's cool that they're they're reworking the handbook, and I like the proposed uh, solution uh, that they have here, the structure. Gosh, could you imagine that as an API, like a command line API? It can be like pure functions, like <laughs> just makes everything read only. And yeah. Nice. All right, sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> uh, the next one on our list is clearer error messages for complicated situations. This was tied for number one in our polls. I so this is the... where they're going to bring Clippy in, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the example they have. If you do the more details on the error and type display user experience, they have one comparing TypeScript 2.8 and TypeScript 3. TypeScript 2.8 says something like type A nested B nested C where C is type number is not assignable to type foo. Types property A are incompatible. Type B, C, number is not a, it's just got like these 10 lines of like, oh, the nested object structure doesn't work. And then the new one just says type number is not assignable to type string. <laughs> like it, it's, you know, they have a good example of like how technically correct is not the best type of correct. Like being able to kind of explain to people what's really the, the stuff that they care about is something they're trying to head to in their error messages. And in the future, they'll just have a paperclip that jumps to your section in code right. in the IDE that, that and yell at you taps on it. With a but isn't that what language services does? Language services is like, hey, I noticed that your imports are not organized very well. 
Yeah, but it, it, it needs to jump to that section in code and like tap on your screen and be like, do you want me to fix it? I, I know how to fix this thing. I feel like this is a, uh, an extension you need to write for VS Code or something like that. I am playing around with Clippy, so why not, right? <laughs> I, I did see that. I don't know what to say about that. It, it, yeah, well, it, I, so I'm playing with, yeah. The reason I started is because uh, I want to understand how we use custom elements as widgets better. That's something we could just talk, have another talk script about. Because custom elements is, and, and how different libraries use them is really interesting. You know, some are framework wrapped, like Dojo is a framework wrapped custom element. And then others like Stencil and those cohorts compile away or provide very minimal support. So anyway, yeah, I was trying to figure that out and I've started working on Clippy again. Maybe we don't want clear error messages just for the simple fact that we don't want Paul to all mad scientist Clippy. <laughs> well, you know, once you have Clippy, you can, you know, you can have a nice little interface for people and then fix everything using the, the most friendliest interface possible. Hey, I noticed you're using any. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you want to use this type here, I've noticed. <laughs> right. All right. The next one on our list is a nightly playground release. Which I'm so excited about. Yeah, you did vote for that one. Well, that's what I was saying about one of the reasons I use WebStorm slash VS Code is because I like playing around with new TypeScript features. But I generally check to see if the playground has been updated to the new version before I start messing around with stuff, and it's generally not. The fact that they're talking about doing nightly playground releases is awesome. Like, if they release something that night, I can go to the playground and actually see it working, like try it out, see what it does. One thing that kind of pops in my head is, will there be a way to switch between the stable release and the nightly release on the playground? Oh, oh yeah, there I'm should be. So. They're going to do an editable TSConf okay. is one of the settings. So you'd, in a TSConf, you'd be able to say, I want, I want this version of TypeScript, even if it's not exposed in the UI. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. So you can edit, you can change the version of TSConf? Yeah, that's what it says. That's interesting. I wonder if, because they run the TypeScript compiler in the browser, so I wondered then if they have a way of unloading a version of the TypeScript compiler then and, and reloading, you know, like if you're like, oh, I want version one of TypeScript now. <laughs> there, there's they, just there has to be a way to unload and reload. No, there's oh, that should versions. be quick. Yeah, that'll be yeah. Be quick if they add the async tag, it'll be perfect. Well, they're just gonna load the, they're gonna load the good versions of TypeScript. All the good versions. Is that like the good parts? Which the pipe operator will not be a part of. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next on our list would be more external documentation contribution. It looks like they're gonna for all external contributors, they're going to make it easier to contribute. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of run into this a few times where I've seen things that I thought were confusing and when I finally understood them, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I could just contribute something to the documentation. And then I started looking and I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> where I even go to edit some of this stuff. So the fact that they're making it easier, I think a lot of people at SitePen are going to want to, you know, fix things when we see them. Yeah, I agree. Especially, you know, they have open contributions to the playground of the website. like us being able to make it so that what we're doing with Dojo and stuff like that, that it'll play nicely with as much of the stuff is, is good for us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It looks like they're looking to automate some of the PR process on TypeScript. I know there's some automation there. They check your 
contributor agreement and that sort of stuff. It looks like they might be doing some more of that, which is good. I know there used to be tons of issues in the thousands. I'm not sure if they've gone through and cold that down, but it'd be nice for PRs if they, you know, hey, you're doing this. There's 14 other pull requests to do this. <laughs> All right. So are there any other things that you guys are excited about that we haven't touched on yet? I think we've gone through most of the document. It says they're going to help with TSConf. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Again, like they're, they're a really small community engaged team. It's, it's really good to see like this kind of roadmap put up there. So we kind of know what they're thinking and know that they're going to continue to, to provide kind of more support for the community, more usability and ways of blending TypeScript into projects. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. I, I'm, I'm wondering how much they'll get to in the first six months and what their focus is, is going to really be on. It seems like a lot to do all at once. <laughs> it does. Thankfully, they have and, six months. And do also do variadic types. Oh, they're never doing that. It's like, you know, it's like once you once you solve the problem, then what do you do? I mean, they're going to have it done for October. No, they, they need to find another great problem to solve. I mean, so everybody talks about that as the new I thing. I have it on good authority that they're going to solve it by October 2019. This is going to be your prediction for the year. Well, this is, did you guys not listen to the episode of the podcast that we just recorded? <laughs> that was, I don't know anything about the future, Neil. <laughs> uh, you have good authority. I'm wondering when they're going to switch the TypeScript code base from the old module format to actual modules. I'm sure it's low priority because it works, but they're still using like namespace and putting everything in the global rather than importing I've tried to debug things in the compiler before, and that that kind of makes it hard to find out where everything's coming from because things just kind of show up. be interesting to see if there's any plans for that. I'd be curious. Anyway, I'm excited about what's coming up, even if there are some things that, like Paul and I were saying earlier, that, that we're kind of hesitant about. I think overall the direction that TypeScript is going is the right direction. And I'm not just saying that because I like using TypeScript or I do, I think that what they're doing, their community engagement, how they're imp- trying to improve the, the developer experience and not just adding new new features for the for the heck of it. I think that's great. Yeah, their community engagement is is wonderful. I can't think of many other projects that are, are this engaged in the community that are run like TypeScript. It's really fantastic what they've been able to do. And I know I complained a lot about like, oh, this and that, but those are just details in the grand scheme of things. Overall, like having types and TypeScript in JavaScript is is fantastic. And every time I have to go back to regular JavaScript because a project is using regular JavaScript is is always a, it's not awful, awful, but it's it's definitely not as great as, as having that type support and having to worry about all the little details that TypeScript takes care of you. Like really reduces the bind space and, and focus that you have on solving a problem instead of writing the correct solution in, in a, the correct way that involves like using types correctly and every every little detail. It, it's it's so nice having TypeScript there to do that for you. Yep, I agree. Was there anything not in there that we'd like to see? Oh yeah, I threw in a section about that. And since I've been playing a lot with custom elements, it would be nice for 
some way of picking up attributes and, and custom attributes and, and things that come from the DOM. Like right now, events and things like that all have to really be explicitly defined. And having that kind of come from the DOM in a sensible way would be kind of nice, especially as we start to look at web components and being able to custom define these things. Yeah, the IntelliSense is really interesting to me. Like, I mean, I don't remember where I was running it into it, but like there was some event where it was a mouse event from an input and like they just didn't have any way to define that. So you have to like just make up a type in order, in order for it to work. Like they don't have some combination that works with all those different things. And being able to clearly define that would be awesome. Yeah, I think it's the same way if you use uh, property setters and things like that as well. Although, I don't know, maybe the most recent versions of TypeScript might address that because they've been doing stuff around those areas. But yeah, having property setters, having just functions on custom elements so you can define whatever functions you want on your custom element. And if you, you know, query selector it out from the DOM, it's basically this plain old HTML element. Having some concept of what is in your DOM and what tags are related to what interfaces would be fantastic. It's like 3019 stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, with with the idea that they're going to be able to analyze JavaScript code and be able to generate DTS files on the fly and fork types, I, I imagine that eventually, I can't predict when, at least not as accurately as Neil seems to be able to predict things, I would imagine something like that will be coming. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's not on that document. It's not. <laughs> it's not <on> <laughs> it's a, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if they're going to be able to do, to do that, I could see a way of describing custom elements. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. You should file an issue. Or a thumb in it, or a thumbs up an issue. Thumbs up an issue, yeah. I did thumbs up the Jest RFC acceptance. I think that's really neat. All right, well, thanks for discussing this with me, guys. I think we've got a lot here. If you'd like, you can tweet at us your favorite parts of this upcoming roadmap. We're looking forward to all those features. So for Neil and Paul, just want to thank you for listening. And with that, that's the end of this episode of the TalkScript Podcast. Thanks. Thanks, all. Thanks for listening to the TalkScript Podcast. You can round out your TalkScript experience by viewing our show notes, listening to past episodes, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, and of course, following us on Twitter at TalkScript. We record new episodes every other week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. Got a good thing going on. Bah, 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 bah.